Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. I'm Talia Bacassis. And I'm Kim France. And today, our guest is Emily Flake. Emily is a cartoonist, writer, performer, illustrator whose work captures so much of the raw emotion of daily life and who is so darkly hilarious. Her work appears regularly in The New Yorker. She writes essays and satire for McSweeney's, Longreads, Dame Magazine, and The New Yorker again. Her most recent book is called That Was Awkward, The Art and Etiquette of the Awkward Hug, which came out in late 2019 and, as she says, was almost immediately rendered obsolete by the pandemic. Emily lives in Brooklyn with her husband, daughter, and enormous cat. Hi, Emily. Hi, how's it going? Tell us how an idea goes from being an idea to a cartoon. Like, I have a very romantic image of you and your sketchbook strewn around the house with brilliant little scribbles everywhere, and you just, like, pick one up and kind of transfer it onto a bigger piece of paper. But, like, how does it work? God, wouldn't it be fun if that was the reality? (laughs) Um, I feel like I should have, like, a... um, you know, like how a bill becomes the law schoolhouse rock um, clip that we could roll right now. Um, mm. Like how an idea becomes a cartoon. The reality of it is so much more prosaic. Basically, throughout the week, I just try to keep kind of like a running log of ideas in various places. Like I have kind of a running note on my phone. I have little, I do actually have little scraps of paper everywhere, but it's not romantic. It's just cluttered. Um <laughs> So lots of ideas kind of squirreled away places. Um, and then when it's time to really... Can I ask a question? Do you sit down and yeah, think, of course. like, I'm going to think funny thoughts right now? Or do you, or do they just occur to you? <laughs> so honestly, when I try to like sit down and think funny thoughts, that's almost a like guarantee that I won't have any funny thoughts. Mm. So if I'm going to sit down and try to come up with ideas, I just sit down and I try to take like one sort of like totem object or idea to float around and use as a jumping off point. And it doesn't have to be anything 
even particularly interesting, you know, like pigeons or hippos or something like that, and start thinking about like everything I know about this subject and every situation I could put this subject in um, and what facts I know and could tweak in a way that would be funny. Um, so that's like a good exercise to do, but also half the time I'll do this, I've got nothing, you know, nothing's coming. And then I'll go like wash the dishes and ideas will come, you know, basically because I like laid a runway for them to land on and then they come while my hands are in dishwater. Cause I've always wondered about the New Yorker, like when it's just the one frame, mm -hmm. the brainstorming process. I would imagine, or at least I like to think that the one thing almost everybody's process has in common is that it's done under duress and at the last minute. <laughs> So there is, you know, our batches are due on Tuesday. There is a lot of, you know, Monday night soul searching and stress working. <laughs> mm. um, and basically the way it works is we send in a batch of, you know, six to ten roughs um, every week or almost every week. And they let you know by Friday if they have bought one. Six to ten. Mm -hmm. And you do that every week? Yes. Wow. And not entirely oh, without shit. fail. Like, if I have a lot of other projects going on, like, I will take a week off here and there. But I try to get a batch in every week. And mind you, I do pull things from, like, that I've submitted before. And I'm like, this is a good joke. I'm going to send it through again. Um, I have no shame about resubmitting things. Has anything ever gone through that they rejected once and then they said yes a second time? Oh, totally. I think I've said that my record is I think I put something through like four times before they bought it. So <laughs> be as persistent as like an 80s romantic comedy hero. <laughs> Some of your comics about parenting have been so real and and so dark, like the one about rage where you talk about how mm -hmm. you sometimes feel like you're wearing a full body rage suit under your skin. And it ends, I love, with you rage eating a blueberry muffin because your child would not put on her fucking shoes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think every parent, like their epitaph is put on your fucking shoes. <laughs> I, know. I know it's so relatable. These things are so hard to capture, but they seem so on point. I think part of why people like shy away from talking about the rage of parenting is two things because for one thing it's a scary emotion you know that just feeling of just like oh my fucking god like that's yeah, like a scary emotion exactly to feel towards your child you know and there's a lot of like you know guilt and fear associated with that emotion um and also, I think we know that, like, for the most part, it's over petty shit, you know? It's like the world isn't going to end if she doesn't get her shoes on, but it's just this... It's the pettiness of it that almost makes it worse and more frustrating. Or I think it's repetitive stuff. Yeah. Like, it's stuff that you have to do every day that makes you crazy because you're like, we do this yeah. every day. Yeah, totally. And I think that the repetitiveness of it contributes to that feeling of just feeling, like, trapped by bullshit. <laughs> I'm going to put that on a shirt. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. And yeah, and I think that that it creates this immediate feedback loop where like you're not just angry. You're also mad at yourself for being angry. You know, like I know that when I get like parent rage, a lot of it is just like rage and grief at myself that like I didn't manage to raise a child that would put her fucking shoes on and that you feel like other people have raised children who will put their fucking shoes on yeah exactly um and you know not for nothing but i also feel like a lot of the things that you put up with a, as a parent these days like in the back of my mind there's like 
every mother I knew growing up being like, slap her. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> which I never would and I never have. But I mean, I feel like we're, you know, we're all over 40. We remember when parenting involved a lot of slapping, right? Yeah, yeah. My father has said that to me on numerous occasions. Like, don't you think a smack would help? Yeah. And that's the hell of it. Sometimes it would. I know. Sometimes I'm like, I know that. Thank you very much. Yeah. But we're going to use our words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it like in the moment, like, yes, I, it would certainly shock her. But yeah, I, I absolutely cannot advocate for it as uh, as a parenting technique. I will say that when my daughter was little, little, I spanked her maybe three or four times in response to like something like life threatening, like ran out in the street. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I mean, like once on the leg, like do not do that. Like I think that it loses its efficacy after, um, you know, after that age. And she's eight now. I'm not, you know, what I'm trying to say is please don't call CPS on me because I do not hit my child. <laughs> that went south so fast. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like also mom rage is something people are talking about a little more now, but I don't think they were mm -hmm. when you made that comic. And it made me wonder, did you feel very exposed putting that out in the world? Um, I guess to an extent, but like I've never had a whole lot of filter in terms of like subject matter that I used for stuff. So I didn't feel like I was taking a risk in terms of my own usual subject matter. Um, I got a lot more sort of like, oh, my God, I feel that, too, than, you know, this woman needs to see a therapist. And, you know, hey, both of those are valid. <laughs> like, I probably mm. do need to see a therapist. But, uh, you know, I was heartened that a lot of people, you know, if, if somebody's like on Facebook or whatever, it was like, you know, if you're getting this angry, like maybe there's a, you know, like problem, et cetera, et cetera. And people were like, you know, she said that she felt this anger but took herself out of the situation which is something that i think is an important thing to be able to do like if you have that full body rage suit like just to get yourself out of the room or the house for a second i think is a very important coping mechanism mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you also sometimes expose like little cracks in your relationship and i was wondering mm -hmm. like do you run the comics by your husband first so that he doesn't feel exposed also <laughs> This isn't his fucking job. <laughs> um, no. I mean, if it was something that was sort of explicitly about our relationship, um, I I think just for privacy and courtesy, I would run it by him first. But when it's something where, you know, that kind of, like, that's an element of the larger thing, I don't really feel like the obligation to clear it with him per se whatever irritants like that. I mean, I'm sure he's irritated with me about shit too, but you know, he's not a cartoonist, so he keeps those inside. <laughs> and also I, I'm sure that everybody who is in a partnered relationship, raising a kid has those moments of like, you're not doing this the way I want you to do this, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is also very frustrating. You ran a series where you talked to funny people about their nightmares what can, yeah. what can you tell about a person from their nightmares? It was so interesting because in a lot of ways, well, I mean, first of all, you find out like what they're afraid of because the nightmare that they pick even was pretty telling. Like it, like if it scared them, why did it scare them so much? So it was fascinating both to see what was specific 
to each person versus what was completely universal. Like how many people have had the, you know, I had to go back to high school as an adult and I missed all my classes dream. Like Mm. I loved doing that show. And I really hope that at some point we're able to, you know, do it in person again. And it was just really kind of lovely and humanizing to talk to people about something that scared them, but didn't have the stakes of being something real that had happened. Does that make sense? Yes, of course. But then would you sometimes psychoanalyze them a little bit? A little bit. I mean, to the extent that I I can as a completely not trained person. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we would sort of like talk about why, you know, like what specific elements of this dream felt like they resonated with something in their life. And I think it was key too that it was nightmares, not just dreams in general, because nobody wants to hear about your dreams, but nightmares are way more interesting. Aren't that, whenever I'm reading a book, and I know it's important when I'm reading a book and the narrator pauses to discuss a dream, I just skip Mm -hmm. it. Totally skip it. I hate hearing about people's dreams, but yeah. nightmares I can nightmares I can totally wrap my head around, and I feel like I would be way more fascinated. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I'm with you, Kim. <laughs> you also just finished a Kickstarter for a humor residency for female identifying creators. First off, how amazing that it went over its target goal, and also, why did you feel a need to start that? I also was very shocked that it went over its its target goal, um, especially in times hey. like this. I was like, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to put this out there and see what happens. But I was like, steal yourself for disappointment. But then it actually worked. So um, that is thrilling. Yeah. So I felt like, especially because we have all been relatively cooped up in our houses or apartments um, because even in non-pandemic times, it, it can be really hard to get concentrated time and space to work. A lot of this honestly came out of a tantrum I had. Over the summer, we went up to um, to see some friends who had moved up to Rhinebeck. And like, I have no interest in moving, like leaving New York for good or moving to the suburbs or anything like that. But we're driving back and, you know, they had a yard and it was very nice. And I just had this feeling of like, I just started crying. I'm like, I don't have any time and I don't have any space and I don't have any money because I need those things to work. Uh, It just kind of planted this seed of like, I have done artist residencies before and they are such a wonderful respite. It has always been in the back of my mind, like, hey, if I, you know, if I had money to buy, like to buy a second house, like, I mean, we rent our apartment, but you know what I mean? Wouldn't it be great to run it as an artist residency? Why not try to crowdfund it? You know, if there's if there is a need for this, people might be willing to help. And it turns out there is and they are. So (laughs) so here we are. Um, You wrote a fantastic piece on long reads about power in middle age. It starts off Mm -hmm. by taking stock of how, like most of us, you don't know what you had when you were young, meaning your sexiness and your hotness, your aliveness. And so you feel a sense of loss that you didn't appreciate it when you had it. Do you think Mm -hmm. that's an inevitable part of coming to terms with aging that you have to initially freak out a bit? I mean, I would think that there are some particularly confident or clear-eyed or pragmatic people that maybe don't have that. For me, (laughs) personally, (laughs) it has been definitely a part of coming into my 40s. Um, It's a simultaneous thing of like feeling like, ah, there goes everything. And also like, wow, I really did not 
appreciate it while I had it. Yeah. You have this very funny section about young men. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to read a bit. Young men are sexual blanks to me. Boring, unseasoned chicken breasts with nothing interesting to say. Give me your grizzled Gen Xers, your gray beards, your pot bellies, your crinkled eyes. Give me your hearts heavy with regret, your gorgeous tattered men. And I feel like, why is it that you don't see like a man writing that part about women? I don't know. I wish I did know. I don't know if it's conditioning or biology or or where that comes from. But yeah, obviously, it would be nice if that was a reciprocated sentiment. I feel like it's, you know, maybe not necessarily. Did you read um, Fleischman is in Trouble by Taffy Bredesser Ackner? Oh, I did. It was amazing. Yeah, because like, Fleischman is a bit of that where he like doesn't like very young women. He only yeah. likes older women. But then I was like, oh, yeah, but it was written by a middle-aged written woman. Written by a woman. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, know. I felt a little bit high on some weird drug for days after I read that book. And I, again, as a sidebar, I will say that having watched um, all of Cobra Kai recently, like, you know, Johnny Lawrence, definitely way hotter in middle age than he was as a teenage bully. Yeah, I loved it when you said that in your 20s, you slept with a man in his 40s. In, yeah, in his 40s, just to see. And for the record, it was lovely, bittersweet, and poignant, yet deeply hot. <laughs> it was, because it honestly, it felt kind of transgressive, you know, like I was doing something kind of taboo. Yeah, no, it really was. I'm actually still friends with that guy. He's a lovely man. Um, but, you know, it was, it didn't feel exploitative or gross or anything. It was like, I felt like I was, I mean, there was certainly a pretty healthy slab of hubris in my because I was like I'm going to give this old man the gift of my <laughs> young ass but I would do it again <laughs> we're going to take a quick break for some ads Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin. And I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. 
You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule, essenced with soothing vanilla. I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry leading sustainability. It, it meets, sorry, all of the industry leading sustainability standards. You know, I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess is the best way to do it. Say it, do it. Ah. Okay. So you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25% off. Welcome back to Everything is Fine. So how are you feeling these days? Like, can you talk a little bit about how you're thinking of your 40s? I feel like I was a real fuck up in my 20s and not that much less of a fuck up in my 30s. And I feel like, you know, I'm stealing this from a friend, but I don't feel like my 20s really ended until I had a baby in the middle of my 30s. I get uh, that. And even now, I don't really feel like I've necessarily like reached a point of like confident womanly maturity. I sometimes feel like I'm just basically like an aging teenager. Yes, I, I can relate very deeply to that sentiment. Yeah, very, very much. I think that's actually how I feel. Maybe there's no such thing as grown-ups. I don't know. <laughs> Unless yeah. you're like Sheryl Sandberg. I feel like Sheryl Sandberg is probably an adult, but yeah. <laughs> Sorry to keep quoting yourself to you, but you wrote this line, which I really liked. <laughs> Um, they, sh they should tell you every day in art school or creative writing class, the bulk of your creative time will be spent either disappointing yourself or devising ways to avoid the inevitability of disappointing yourself. And that is an emotionally taxing way to live, even if you do it while wearing pajamas all day. This rang um, very true right. to me. You, you wrote this, yet clearly you can't be disappointing yourself with all you've got going on. Or do you think it's inevitable anyway? Oh, no, I, I am largely disappointed with myself all the time. I just have more and more things to disappoint, disappoint myself with. <laughs> uh, I just, you know, try to keep that disappointment hopper going. <laughs> it's funny. I don't know if this happens with you, but like a lot of times I'll do something. I'm like, this is garbage. And then later I'll look like, you know, months later I'll be like, huh, that wasn't too bad. So I feel like it, once I get a little bit of emotional distance from something, it, um, it disappoints me a little bit less. I will say I disappoint myself less with writing than with drawing. And that is part of why I enjoy writing more. But no, I stand by the sentiment of that is something they should really tell you in, in art school or writing school or whatever school you go to. I feel like it also shows you how much we feel like when we look at other people, they seem to have their shit together because I look at you and I look at your website and I look at everything you've done and I'm like, wow, she's so accomplished and she must feel amazing. But it just goes to show that we all have a lot of self-criticism that we can't get out of. I, I'm, first of all, that makes me feel like very happy that I at least appear to have my shit together from the outside. <laughs> but Yes, I think that most people do feel that way. And it took me a long time to kind of realize that I wasn't like alone in this sort of like turbine of awful feelings. 
Not mm-hmm. like I want other people to feel like shit, but I'm just happy to know that like I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. You did a really moving comic in The New Yorker about your friends moving away during COVID. It's mm-hmm. been such a strange and stressful time, and that comic really related that brilliantly. How are you handling all this? I think, I think like everybody, there's kind of good days and bad days or good hours and bad hours. Um, I'm going to knock wood here because it's, you know, like I am still working. We haven't gotten sick. We have a roof over our heads. So uh, in many ways, I feel like unimaginably lucky through this. It is unrelentingly hard to have this sense of like the world being taken away it's stressful because it's so it's such a slow disaster in a way like you know it's not like something happened and you react to it it's just like this this grind of sadness of the world right now and I think everybody's having you know not having a great time processing all that especially when it just seems so ongoing like God only knows when this is gonna when this is gonna end or you know what what fresh hell will have when, yeah <laughs> if and when it does okay uh, right (laughs) okay we're at our last question which has become very controversial in the world of everything is fine now we ask if you have any life hack or beauty product you recommend to get through life right now Ooh, life hack or beauty products that's a really good that's a really good question um i will say two things that i have found very helpful through this uh, and this is super embarrassing because I will admit that I know about this because I hate watched that goop show. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so the Wim Hof episode, um, that big, you know, Dutch drink of water um, who uh, his whole thing is like, you know, breathing and cold showers. Yeah. I have been doing his breathing exercises and I take a cold shower every day. And it what? honestly is super helpful. Um, yeah, I did not it, watch it, and I don't even know what you're talking about. How could a cold shower be helpful in any way? It is remarkably invigorating, and it just feels like, okay, I did that one unpleasant thing. Like, now I feel like I can probably do other unpleasant things today. Oh, my God. You're ready for the Nexium cult. Oh, God. <laughs> of all the middle-aged dudes I don't want to bone, um, Keith Raniere is pretty <laughs> high on that list. Um, yeah but no it's um it honestly i was like it has been helpful and the whole breathing exercises thing is basically you like you kind of hyperventilate and then you hold your breath for a couple minutes um Mm. that also is surprisingly helpful okay and yeah um beauty product wise there's like a super goop sunscreen that has this sort of like velvety touch finish to it i love that stuff i'm a big fan of sunscreen Super Goop fan. Yeah. <laughs> no, Super Goop is separate from Goop. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh. It is it is not a Gwyneth Paltrow jam. Oh, get out. No way. I didn't yeah. realize that. Not that I know of. God, I just I really have to figure out exactly how much money I am secretly to, even to myself giving to Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, thank, you, thank Emily. you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. Um, is it embarrassing if I say something about Sassy Magazine right now? No. <laughs> like so many, you know, women of my age and demographic, um, Sassy was an absolute life-altering publication. Um, 
I am pleased to tell you that actually um, I know about it because my dad brought me an issue of Sassy when I was 12 and gave it to me like, I think you might like this. And it really like was such an important part of like the trajectory of my adolescence and life. Um, Also, if you know what happened to Catherine Geisen, will you please just like forward all of my fangirl like gushing love towards her? (laughs) I don't know what happened to Catherine. I know she went home to her family, but thank you so much to that for that. I, I hear it often and I never get tired of hearing it. Oh, Mm -hmm. good. No, thank, thank you. Seriously. Hmm. Emily, where should people find you if they want to? Um, my website is emilyflake.com. Um, I'm on Twitter as Emily Flake or on Instagram at eflakeagogo. Thanks so much for listening to Everything is Fine. We are your hosts, Talia Bacassis and Kim France. If you like the show, be sure to rate it and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have suggestions for show ideas or anything else, email us at tallyandkim at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram that is EIF Podcast, and you can find Kim on her blog, girlsofacertainage.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.